clock strikes here, it's always Halloween. And I'm always your haunted host, Luce Tomlin Brenner. Welcome to Small Frights Friday. Each week, I share a curated selection of calls from the All Hallows Hotline and letters from the Eek Mailbag. Today, I'm wishing you all a very romantically spooky Halloween weekend. This is a great time to celebrate what you love about Halloween. I've made some fun podcast and horror-themed valentines, especially for you, listener. I posted some on our Instagram at It's Always Halloween Podcast, and a whole set is available for all Patreon Ghoul Gang members. You can sign up for those, plus bonus ghost stories and movie nights. The next one is coming up Sunday, February 21st at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. All of that and more you can get at patreon.com slash it's always Halloween. I want to welcome our newest member, Samantha McBride. Welcome. Thank you so much for your support, Samantha. Listener, if you love It's Always Halloween, please sign up. If everyone listening right now subscribed at the lowest level of $3 a month, you would completely cover the cost of our production, and you'd ensure my ability to work on this podcast full-time. Thank you so much to all of our subscribers. You are now funding a third of the podcast. Your support keeps us independent, ad-free, and sustainable. Now, let's hop in to our Eek mailbag. We have a letter coming all the way across the world from Transylvania. Greetings from frozen Transylvania. Luce, I have been meaning to write you again ever since the Urban Legends episode back in November. I am enamored with the podcast and the specific energy you bring. Aw, well thanks so much. I especially like to listen to your stories outside in the evening air as the sun sets over the forests and I work on this and that in the backyard. Oh, sounds beautiful. I just got such a chill at your Green Ribbon episode, and I told that story to the kids that came over for Trick or Treat this last year. You should have seen their eyes at the end of the story. They loved it, and I have you to thank. You helped bring Halloween to this small, wild part of the world. Woof. Dude, you're making me tear up. (laughs) This is such a sweet letter. Um, You helped me bring Halloween to this very... uh, I can't focus now. (laughs) You helped bring Halloween to this small, wild part of the world, as this was literally the first Halloween this town of Celsia has ever seen. Celsia? Let me know if I'm pronouncing that any sort of way. I must say that aside from our friends, not many people from the village come to visit us since we are the only openly gay couple here. And that's kind of a big no-no in this part of the world. But people that normally try to avoid us simply could not turn their eyes away from our decorations. I'll attach some photos so that you can get an idea of how it looked. 
Not even the supposed friendliness of Christmas could bring some people over, but Halloween drew people like moths to the jack-o'-lantern flame. The kids had fun and got candy, and the grown-ups got a few good laughs and are a lot friendlier than before. I just love Halloween and its power of bringing people together under a cloak of spookiness, and it seems that this is what few people in the town really needed to lighten up a bit. Everything was done with masks and physical, dis- and physical distancing, of course. Another thing I want to thank you for is spreading black cat love. Superstitions are fun, but when taken to extremes, they can harm, like in certain historical cases when folks were killing black cats for weird reasons. We have four adorable rescued cats, two of which are black. Call it black magic, but we simply cannot get enough of having them around. In closing, I would like to share a story with you since we have so many eerie ones around these parts. I was always fascinated with the stories people told in my grandma's village. One of these stories was about the Salamanar. This is an intelligent creature that appears to everyone like a homeless person wandering around endlessly. All that the Salamanar wants is for you to be polite to him and eventually spare some water for him to drink. If the Salamanar is pleased, he will continue his journey like nothing has happened, but If people are rude to him, he is known to bring punishing weather and in some cases, distort space and time. Wow. In folktales, he is one of the most feared apparitions alongside the Moroi we talked about last time. My grandma told me that one night, my late grandfather left with a friend and a cow to the marketplace to sell the cow. They had to walk all night to get to the marketplace in the morning, and as they started the journey eagerly, they met someone coming from the opposite direction. They didn't see his face, but they distinctly remember he had a very big straw hat, the kind people wear when they work in the fields in very powerful sunlight. The man greeted them, and they laughed at him because of his big hat and for wearing it at night. The stranger asked where they were going, and they said it's none of his business. They remember him answering, you won't get there, before leaving calmly on his way. The two continued their trip to the marketplace, laughing at the stranger. They walked a lot until dawn, basically in a trance. They had to stop when the cow was incapable of walking anymore. The second they stopped, they realized they were in the exact place they had met the stranger with the big hat, very close to home. They both panicked and ran home. My grandmother remembers not being able to get any work from Grandpa for two days. On the third day, the friend that accompanied Grandpa came over to check on him, and they both told the story. Grandma said she sometimes asked him to tell her the story again, but he would refuse categorically and pretend it never even happened, as this was a subject that got him very disturbed. I'm really sorry if this email is too long, but I want you to know I'm very happy to have shared this story with you and the other lanterns. All the best from Transylvania, Paul. Ah, Paul, this letter was a delight and not at all too long. It had everything. It made me cry. It gave me chills. I thought I saw something out of the corner of my eye when I was telling that story. 
I went through so many emotions in a couple of minutes, and that's honestly the hallmark of a perfect eek mail. So thank you so much. I can't tell you how much it means to me to read at all that I could have had even a slight impact on a Halloween celebration somewhere else in the world. It just means so much to me. These are very difficult times, and I am sure that we are all feeling uh, fairly lonely and isolated and cut off from one another. And the ability that um, this podcast has really brought a lot of people together in a way that I wasn't anticipating when I started it. And I've made so many new friends from all around the world. And I just feel so um, lucky and happy (laughs) happy with a question mark is this what happy feels like it's been a minute um seriously though this it just um i wish you could see the my face i'm beaming right now um thank you this was really beautiful and the pictures you shared are so scary i'm so excited to share them your jack-o'-lantern carving and work is just incredible and i did not forget about the vampires, uh, Maroy, that uh, you wrote in about, I think it was in November or October, the last time that you wrote in. And I wanted, I was hoping I was going to start a chapter on vampires in January. And then skeletons went on and on as they do, rattling their bones long past their welcome as worn out. Um, So I'm working on skeletons and I have a new chapter on a different topic that is going to be coming out soon that I'm going to announce next week. So we are going to get to vampires. I just want I just wanted to follow up and say I have not forgotten. Vampires are still on the slate. So are black cats. Um, we're going to cover black cats and their connection to the dark arts. And um, I really liked this, this legend that you shared was so disturbing. And um, I'm not sure if you get Sabrina, uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina in Transylvania or other listeners in other parts of the world. It's uh, an American TV show, but it's absolutely incredible. It's on Netflix. And uh, this is the last season. I have qualms with the final episode, but other than the final episode, I really loved this season a lot. And there was a character based on this folktale Um, which I just think is really interesting. So I'd be curious to know if you watched it or if you want more information on it. Um, I will send that along to you. Meanwhile, everybody check out the Instagram to see Paul's really frightening and incredible pictures from Transylvania. I'm just like totally enthralled with them. Thank you again for the super thoughtful message. And I cannot wait to hear how Halloween round two goes this year and feel free to call or write in again anytime now let's check in with the all hollows hotline okay i think i'm finally caught up and i apologize to keep calling but a couple of things i was thinking uh first and foremost uh a fun halloween type uh treat uh, that we used to make for our kids when they were younger. Uh, we made cherry jello and then we would put like gummy worms in it, uh, so they could just kind of scoop out little portions and it looked kind of, uh, gross but yummy. 
Uh, and then there's the adult version of that, which I prefer, where you make jello shots and then you cut in little uh, gummy spiders or sour worms or whatever cut in half. So, okay. Well, again, uh, I absolutely love it. I'm glad I had the opportunity to get caught up this evening or this morning. Uh, and uh, on the way out to where I'm at, I passed uh, Lake uh, Butte de Muertes, which uh, just seems so fitting. So, anyways, keep up the great work. I absolutely love it and uh, appreciate you so much. Thanks so much, caller. No need to apologize or feel awkward about calling more than once. That goes out for everyone. I love hearing your calls, I love reading your letters. I do my best to use them all. Don't hesitate if you've already reached out before and you have more Halloween things to share. I want to revel in them with you. So I love the Halloween treat idea that you shared. I found a few different concoctions online and I'm going to share them in the show notes. If people want to whip up some fun Halloween snacks, you can maybe um, use some cherry or strawberry or raspberry jello this weekend if you're not vegan. <laughs> Vegans, no jello. Vegans and vegetarians, no jello for you. It is horse hooves, not to bring the party down, but <laughs> um, yeah, maybe use some like red jello and then you can do a Halloween themed dessert with a little eyeball or a brain or something in it. Uh, something fun to make the weekend spooky. I think it is so interesting that you are driving by Lake Butte de Mort while listening slash calling in. I was curious about that name, so I looked it up for more info. There is actually a big Lake Butte de Mort and a little Lake Butte de Mort, both in Winnebago County, Wisconsin. Now, if you've noticed the way I've been pronouncing Butte de Mort, it's because it was given by French colonial settlers, most likely in the early 1700s. It does mean Mound of the Dead. Both lakes were nearby prehistoric Native American burial mounds at the time. Now, these burial mounds at times have been incorrectly attributed to the Meskwake Nation, who relocated from Lower Michigan to East Central Wisconsin in the early 1600s, quite a long time after the mounds were built. So I wanted to try to figure out who the burial grounds might have belonged to or who they interred, but I'm having a lot of trouble finding that type of information um, because it, again, prehistoric times. Best I could tell, it could be either the Oglagla Sioux, Menominee, or Miamia tribes. All these indigenous people lived around the lake area for thousands of years before the Meswaki people and later the French colonizers arrived. The prehistoric burial mound on the west shore of Little Lake Butte de Mort was destroyed for railroad infrastructure during the Civil War and many human remains were disinterred. I can't find information on whether the mound near Big Lake still exists, but according to TravelWisconsin.com, there were once an estimated 15,000 to 20,000 effigy or burial mounds in Wisconsin, and now fewer than 4,000 remain. 
Early European settlers and their descendants plowed over mounds or destroyed them while they were building homes, roads, and businesses. Fortunately, in recent years, descendants of colonizers have come to appreciate the importance of effigy mounds, and national legislation in Wisconsin law passed in 1985 now protect Native American artifacts and burial sites. 1985. Yow. That was not long ago. Thanks again, caller, for this really sweet message and for leaving that tidbit at the end. You perhaps did not expect me to dig into it quite so much, but hey, listen, you can't just say mound of the dead to me and be all casual about it, okay? I think burial mounds are a really significant topic, especially to those of us who live in America. As we talk about appreciation of cemeteries, we have to include the resting places of indigenous people who, similar to black slaves and their descendants, have not had the honor and respect of preservation that European descendants have enjoyed. So thanks again for that caller. That was a really interesting trip. And I am going to link um, in the show notes uh, all the sources where I got that information. And if you want to read more about uh, Native American effigy mounds, burial mounds, I have some info on that in the show notes as well. All right, now let's move on to our next letter. This one is about mall trick-or-treating. Hi, say here is a picture of me mall trick-or-treating in Livonia, Michigan in 1989. I love the carpeted stairs behind us. I am 100% the green-faced witch. My mom made my nose and a cardboard broom. I did mall trick-or-treating a couple times under the age of 10, and the last time, all I really remember is that clearly the mall management just bought enormous bags of mini Tootsie Rolls for all the shops because every store handed out the same candy. Malls were the option when the weather would have murdered kids wandering around in the suburbs. Love the podcast, Samantha. Oh my goodness, Samantha, I adore this picture. I will share it on the Instagram so listeners go check it out. It is so funny. She's in all black looking quite evil and creepy. Meanwhile, the other two girls with her are both in all white. One appears to be a fairy or even an angel and the other one is a bride. Samantha, you are the perfect portrait of evil next to these two goody two shoes. (laughs) Um, I have to know if these are sisters or friends or if there was any type of contention between you for being like good and evil it's just so funny to see these two girls and they're like fluffy white gowns and you're like I'm a scary witch it's perfect um I have to know if these uh little girls grew up to be women or uh people who love Halloween still or if maybe they were never into the creepy aspects of it Just curious. Uh, Maybe you don't know these people anymore. I have plenty of pictures with children when I was a child also um, that I don't know anymore. So hit me back if you got more stories. But my favorite thing, okay, first of all, yes, the geometric carpeted stairs behind you are a riot. But my favorite thing is that for a trick-or-treat bag, you are holding the McWitch one of the beloved McDonald's 
Halloween pails from 1989, which means it was a brand new accessory. A witch with a witch. You must have been so pumped. This is just the flippin' cutest, and it totally makes the picture this quintessential 80s Halloween memory. Do you still have your McWitch? I have mine. I'll link the fascinating history of McDonald's Halloween pails in the show notes if you guys are not picking up what I'm laying down. If we've got a few younger listeners or older listeners, if you were not trick-or-treating in the 80s or early 90s, you maybe missed out on McBoo, McWitch, and um, McGoblin. So uh, I will... And maybe even if you know about them, you didn't know how many iterations of the buckets there were. They went through quite a transformation over like 20 years. So I have this really great um, article that I'll share with you guys that I think is really funny and interesting as a part of a Halloween culture and McDonald's fast food culture combined. Um, Thanks so much for this adorable picture, Samantha. I just adore it. And listeners... Please, I've been getting a lot of trick-or-treat photos in since Shanti wrote in about the candy apple incident and how all the kids got their teeth stuck at her Halloween party. Um, I've gotten a lot of really fun party stories and pictures, so keep them coming. I absolutely just adore them, and they're bringing me so much joy right now, and I love getting to share them with everybody like this. All right. Up next, we have a really incredible story uh, that came in on the All Hallows hotline, and I am so eager to share it. I've been excited to share it with you guys all week, so please enjoy. Hi, Luce. It's your good friend, Isabel O'Hare. Love you. Love the podcast. I was catching up with some episodes recently, and I happened to listen to two back-to-back that were about different cemeteries. And it got me thinking about a cemetery I stumbled upon a few years ago when I was visiting my friend in London in 2018. So my good friend, Karu Sato, amazing musician and writer based in London, uh, wanted to take me to one of her favorite pubs in Southwark in South London. Um, The pub's called the Boot and Flogger, for those who are interested. Uh, We were almost there, and we happened to notice directly across the street from the pub was this lot surrounded by a big metal gate, and it was covered in beautiful flowers wrapped up in ribbons and tied to the gate. So we got closer, and we noticed there were these flyers that advertised a vigil for the following day. Um, for the quote-unquote outcast dead. And as we read on, we realized that this was uh, an event and a burial ground commemorating um, sex workers. And we kept walking around the gate, reading more and more of the flyers. There were some flyers commemorating different women Um, who lived in the area, so Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley being one of them, and also women whose remains were found in the cemetery. And then we came across the metal plaque that named the cemetery Crossbones Graveyard. And the plaque reads, In medieval times, this was an unconsecrated graveyard for prostitutes or quote-unquote Winchester geese. By the 18th century, it had become a pauper's burial ground, which closed in 1853. Here, local people have created a memorial shrine. 
the outcast dead, rest in peace. And there's a goose under the title Crossbones Graveyard. So I've got some information that goes into that a little bit more in depth, the name of the graveyard and why it was called that from their website. So according to local lore, it was once the final resting place for the Winchester geese, medieval sex workers licensed by the Bishop of Winchester to work in the brothels of the area, which lay outside the law of the city of London. It was a pauper cemetery containing the bones of an estimated 15,000 people, some of whose remains were found buried, stacked on top of one another, when the area was excavated for the installation of the Jubilee Line extension of the London Underground in the 90s. From what I've read, the average age of the women buried in the cemetery is 36, and there were also many infant remains found. An organization called the Friends of Crossbones an informal network calling themselves of sex workers, poets, activists, oddballs, and outsiders of all kinds have conducted crossbones vigils for the outcast every 23rd day of every month since June 2004. The original organizers have since left the London area and are no longer involved, but some members of the original group calling themselves the Magical Collective have continued the vigil since 2019 and are currently live streaming them on Zoom. They take place at 7 p.m. again on the 23rd day of every month, and that's London time, so listeners will have to do some time, to time zone conversion depending on where they live. More information about the cemetery and the vigils can be found at their website, crossbones.org.uk. So Karu and I did return the following day and attended this vigil, and I, we feel really blessed to have seen the flyer the day before the vigil was performed. It seemed kind of like a magical happenstance because it was an incredibly beautiful experience. Um, the inside of the gate, which you can't really see the inside um, from, from the street, it's a beautiful garden. They've tended to it really well, and the people there... Um, were the original organizers who have since moved on, but um, they were singing songs, there was poetry, people shared, um, you know, their reflections on the cemetery, um, and it was really, really powerful. So I think attending one of these Zoom vigils would be a pretty rad virtual field trip for the Ghoul Gang if enough people can gather at the appointed time. This cemetery slash garden is to me what all cemeteries should be, a well-tended living memorial to our ancestors, celebrated with stories and music so that no one, no matter how marginalized in life, is ever truly forgotten or left behind. So check it out, Crossbones Cemetery, crossbones.org.uk. Thanks, Luce. Oh, Isabel, thank you. Thank you. What a gift that story is. And I feel like it fits so nicely in this episode where we've also talked about Native American indigenous effigy mounds. And I just, I really love what it says on the sign that um, you sent a bunch of beautiful pictures that I'll put up on the Instagram. But the Crossbones Cemetery sign says, the outcast dead rest in peace. And I just think that's so touching and I'm just so grateful to um, modern people looking towards the past and 
the our ancestors and thinking of them with such love and care in the way that was the exact opposite of how they lived and how they died. And I just think that this really honors history in such a beautiful way and gives a voice to the people who history often forgets, which is so important to me. And I love the idea of all of us getting together and going to one of the Zoom vigils. So I will post about it um, and maybe we can make the next one happen. That seems very fun. I also wanted to um, let everyone know that they have Halloween-themed events also. The Halloween of Crossbones Yard is an annual ritual drama to honor the spirits of the goose and the outcast dead of Crossbones and to reclaim the old pauper's burial ground as a sacred site. So I think that this is super cool and um, something fun maybe for our British and European listeners to attend um, someday. <laughs> Sorry, I'm feeling I'm sounding a bit wistful because I'm just thinking about the pandemic and how much I miss traveling and how I would love to make plans and how hard plans are to make and all of the things I'm sure that are on your mind a lot as well, listener. So um, you're not alone. <laughs> Every time I trail off, it's because I'm remembering the pandemic. Um, but thank you, Isabel. This was such a beautiful call, and I'm so grateful that you took the time to educate us on this fascinating um, monument, testament to these women. And I can't wait to read more about it and share more with our listeners on social media. You're the best. Thanks for being so such a supportive friend and such a supporter of the podcast as well. All right, we have one more letter from the Eek Mailbag. My wife and I just caught up on your podcast, particularly the skeleton episodes, and I thought I'd share something with you in case you haven't seen it. I'm interested in old-timey stereography, and there's a book by Brian May, the lead guitarist from Queen and an astrophysicist. I didn't know about the latter. Thank you. Uh, this book is about and contains a series of stereographs, or also known as stereo views, from the 1860s in France called Le Diablerie. These photographs, taken of clay sculptures, depict scenes of devils and skeletons participating in different scenes in hell. I own the book, and it comes with its own little stereograph viewer so that you can view the images on the page in 3D. I hadn't heard of them before I got the book, so I thought you might be interested. Thanks for all you do, Mindy. Wow. Mindy, <laughs> these are so freaking cool. I have also never heard of Diableries. And um, perhaps, I don't know if we have any French listeners, but this might be the episode we finally hear from them because I am doing a terrible French accent um, and, sh and really showing off the straight C's that I got in my French classes in high school. <laughs> Um, these are absolutely gorgeous and spooky and everything that's amazing about 
early skeleton art. Not that the 1800s is really that early, but I really love um, seeing, it's, they're very scary. I just love them. And I know that um, trying to describe a picture is not what makes uh, audio experience great. So I'm gonna rein that in and just tell you more pictures for the Instagram. What a wild um, episode we've had, very visually focused. I'll have a lot of updates happening um, this week on the Instagram. Mindy, thanks again. I want to check out this book. I'm going to link all the info in the show notes. The show notes are going to be bustling with information for all of you listeners. I hope you're ready to have a weekend jammed packed with both sad history and scary history and artsy history and all of it under the beautifully orange umbrella of Halloween. So everybody, wowie zowie, you contributed so much good stuff this week. In fact, I had to cut it a little short because our eek mail bag was overflowing and I'd wanted to try to cram them all onto this episode but oh boy, oh boy, it was going to be twice as long. And I want to make sure you guys have a really fun one for next week as well. So we're going to tie it up here for now. I want to let you know that there is going to be a new history episode next Tuesday on the Denison Company and the Beastdale Company and uh, the ways in which they brought the images of skeletons from the, you know, richer memento mori designs to the flimsier cheaper easier to find designs and made it so that we could all decorate our houses with skeletons um so i hope you all are excited for that i sure am and hey If there is something specific that you want to learn about Halloween or Halloween-related items, hit me up. Give us a call on the All Hallows hotline at 802-532-DEAD or send us an email at itsalwayshalloweenpodcast at gmail.com. And it doesn't just have to be super Halloween-y. It can be horror-related. It can be a question. It can be food recommendations, book recommendations. It's all good. This episode of It's Always Halloween was researched, written, and performed by me, but also researched and performed by some of our uh, contributors as well. Thank you, listeners. And the editing, theme music, and sound design is by the incredible Pete Burns. Thank you so much, Pete. You can follow me personally, if you like, on Twitter and Instagram at LTB Comedy. And you can follow Pete and listen to his amazing new album, In Parallels, by following him at Mittenberries. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe. If you have the time, write us a little review so that other like-minded ghouls can find us. It makes such a huge difference. You wouldn't believe how you can fight the monster algorithm by writing a sweet little review. We've got some real good ones lately, and I want to hit you with a couple of them and just thank everybody who's taken the time to write reviews so far. We've got one here from Vegan Skywalker, incredible mashup name. 
Uh, great fun. If you like Halloween, you're going to want to become a part of the community of listeners for this podcast. It's a real way to connect with others' Halloween experiences and enrich your own. And it is really good year-round. Thank you, Vegan Skywalker. I appreciate that. Uh, J.D. Goulson, which is a very fun name, says uh, that's the perfect spooky blend of education. Uh, The host creates the most lovely and inclusive environment to explore all things related to Halloween, spooky customs, and folk traditions around death and the supernatural. The sound design helps set a fun but atmospheric stage where community story sharing and historic context are given to our favorite dark holidays. Cheers to Luce for putting together such a wonderful auditory escape. I come out of every episode with a newfound respect and knowledge. Heck yes, that makes me so happy. Thank you, J.D. Goulson. I'm so glad that we can provide that for you. Um, So thank you so much for everyone who has been writing and leaving reviews. I think we'll do a little review uh, giveaway soon. I'm thinking... um, to encourage uh, more reviews and gear up for our next holiday season here, that uh, everybody who's written a review so far, everyone who writes a review, uh, I'm going to do like a, a lottery and then do a big uh, a giveaway. But it is not officially starting yet. I have to uh, decide what kinds of gifts to put into the giveaway. But I think it'll be uh, really fun and a great way to get some fun stuff out to all of you. So that is our show today. Thank you so much for listening to It's Always Halloween. And come back next time, unless you are wandering a mall stuck in a sea of Tootsie Rolls. Tootsie Rolls.